Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Well, hey everybody, this is our final session of Heaven, Hell, in the Afterlife, and uh, I'm Pastor Tim I'm here today with Pastor Tom. Good to have you, Tommy. Can you all welcome Pastor Tom hey to guys. the stage? Yeah. Good to have you with us. It's right. been a great series so far. Very Definitely. eye-opening. A lot of questions people have had. Yeah, that's actually an understatement. I mean, you guys made some amazing questions. Uh, really good stuff. That, that's really why I asked Tom to be here today, because my idea is let's try to answer as many of these as possible. And I figured, Tom, maybe you could ask some of the questions. Absolutely. I'll try to lead us a little bit through Scripture, theologically, thinking about heaven. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Now, here's the deal. Before we dive in, I probably need to begin with an apology this week. Um, if you recall last Sunday, I made this offhanded comment about cats and dogs, uh, specifically that all dogs uh, go to heaven. And cats go to the hot place. And, uh, and that just unleashed this like torrent of emails this week from, you know, from cat lovers. In fact, on Thursday, it's kind of funny. I had a little surprise waiting for me when I came to the office. I went to the office and pulled out my chair of my desk. And look what was sitting there, okay? <laughs> this is amazing. This, this little black cat here sitting. It, and it's actually very lifelike, is it not? Uh, and I jumped back about 12 feet. It freaked me out. You, you so were there. did I, It freaked actually. you out a little bit. But it had a note attached to it. I don't know if you can see this. Someone hand wrote a note. It's anonymous. It says, Dear Pastor Tim Meowthy, I'm, <laughs> I'm perfectly annoyed at the way you talked about me on Sunday. And so I'm here to leave fleas on your seat, litter under your chair, and cat bar for you to step in. You will pay for being so mean to my furry friends. Uh, sincerely, Hellcat. Uh, you know, and so I, I got the message, cat lovers, I'm sorry if I offended you. I never want to hurt your feelings or, you know, your, your, your precious kitty. In fact, in a lot of ways, as a dog lover, I am not qualified to, to give the proper care to this cat. So why don't you just kind of keep him oh out there, okay? Ah. You just kind of oh. enjoy there, and uh, we'll, we'll go on from there. Okay, go ahead. Shoot away, Tom. Let's, wow. let's, let's start. I, I hope you're ready for more emails there. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, okay. Uh, you know, last week, Pastor Tim, you talked about this whole concept of the new earth, right? right? And yep. uh, that was actually really eye-opening to, for many of us. Not, not something that's actually talked about a lot in church or even in seminary for that matter. So maybe you can actually go back and yep. start there. Just, just sort of refresh, refresh us with yep. the larger picture, the larger story that God's telling about earth yep. before we actually get to heaven. So the big idea, if you remember, is that we said, where are we right now? We begin with the idea, earth-shattering idea, that we exist currently right here on the present earth. And we kind of filled that in our notes. We said it's neither heaven nor hell, it's Hoboken. <laughs> we are right about uh, here on the, on the uh, you know, geometric scale. And the Bible says that, that God created the original humans, Adam and Eve. Uh, he made you. He made me. He made the planet for us to exist in paradise with him forever in this unbroken relationship. That was his plan. Unfortunately, at the beginning, in the book of Genesis, our, our parents decided this was not good enough. They didn't trust God, kind of like teenagers. They rebel. They go their own way. Enter sin. Sin kind of breaks everything down. Suddenly, we're cut off from our creator. Everything becomes harder. Work becomes hard, frustrating, thorns, thistles. Our bodies start breaking down. Scientists call this entropy, but the Bible calls it a curse. The whole world, the environment, all of humanity, we live under this curse. And so you see it today played out in the news. War, poverty, injustice, death itself. Everything is now in this kind of 
broken state in the world around us, which is why we all innately long for heaven. And heaven is simply defined as the dwelling place of God. And, And we're told that when we depart this broken earth, we go to the present heaven, if you remember this. This is wherever the presence of God is. And here's the deal. When God looked at his ruined creation, he says, I have to have a rescue plan. And he sends his son, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, right, to earth to die on the cross. And he does that to conquer Satan's sin and death. That's why we call it salvation. We are saved from our sin now and into eternity. And as a result, the Bible says when we die, our bodies go in the ground, but our soul goes to this present heaven. This is where we reunited with Christ, where we're, we're with him. Our relationship is restored because we're in vital connection with our creator. That's eternal life. That's the promise of the Bible. If you guys are familiar with it, John 14, Jesus encouraged his followers with these words. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. In other words, he's talking about heaven. He says, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And then he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Where's he coming back? The earth and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And Jesus is talking about heaven. He says his father has a, has a house. The actual word in the Greek is a state, meaning it's sprawling, it's spacious. Mm. In this house are a lot of rooms. Rooms, if you think about it, are more intimate and personal. So heaven in Jesus' mind is both grand and sprawling. It's intimate and personal. But for those who are in Jesus, they are trusting him for salvation. He is currently creating this place for you. That's an incredible promise that he's going to come back and take us to be where he is right now. And that's a huge hope. Uh, especially if you have a loved one who died. Uh, my grandfather, Andrew, we were very, very close. Andy, uh, we called him Bud, like Grandpa Bud. And uh, we were very close growing up. And uh, he, uh, he loved the Lord, taught me a lot about God. But he started to have health problems, actually, in his 60s. Had like a series of strokes. He mm. couldn't talk. He had a brain bleed. And when we buried my grandfather, I remember that idea. He's absent from the body, but present with the Lord. I remember signing in his uh, car that we put in his casket, not right. to, you know, you know uh, goodbye forever, but we wrote writing, uh, see you later, Grandpa. The idea here is that everyone in Christ is going to be reunited again in heaven. And I'm going to pause here because, Tom, for most people, this is where their concept of the afterlife ends. I mean, what was your concept of heaven growing up? My concept of heaven? Yeah. Uh, Pretty much the same. I'm thinking like a lot of... A lot of choir robes, uh, wings, halos, mm-hmm. pearly gates. Uh, I got to be honest, it was pretty boring. I, I felt guilty about that because heaven seemed to me kind of boring. Well, that's okay. Everyone's privately judging you right now. So that's, <laughs> I that's... know they are. <laughs> I see it in their eyes. Actually. <laughs> that's, I think, how a lot of Christians think about it. this otherworldly place yeah. where the spirits are floating around, mm. lots of church ladies with tambourines right. or whatever. Uh, you know, and I know it's a, we're supposed to get excited, but we're not really. Mm. This is where it actually gets incredibly exciting. Because the, the present heaven is actually a temporary heaven. The, the theologians call it intermediate heaven. Where we're waiting for Christ's return, for him to actually resurrect our physical bodies. But after that, the Bible says all, one day we're all going to dwell in a new heavens and a what? A new, new earth. earth. And that's an incredible thing because not a lot of people hear about that. They think we're kind of way out there. But this is really our eternal home. This is where we would dwell for all eternity and rule and reign with Christ in this new earth. And I got some people last night and they're like, how did I never hear about this? Because nobody's never ever seen it at this point. See, the future heaven, nobody has seen. Not me, not my grandfather. This is the place that Jesus is in the process of, of making where all believers will spend eternity forever. In Isaiah 65, God promised, he said, Behold, I will create a what? Let's say it together. A new heavens and a new earth. 
All right, so this is a very, very um, a, a concept in Scripture that's from the very beginning. It's not some otherworldly realm in the clouds where spirits float around. The Bible calls it a new earth for one reason. It's earthy, okay? It's renewed. It's, it's, it's bringing everything that God originally intended in his original creation and his creatures back to be. If you flip over to 2 uh, Peter, uh, it says, in keeping with his promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of of righteousness. And, and this is a stunning idea because the concept here is that one day, not right now, but one day, these two that are separate, there's going to be a cosmic smash up. There's going to be this merger where Christ returns to this broken plant, this one right here to establish his kingdom and paradise lost yeah, becomes paradise regained and all things will be renewed. Humanity, creation, animals, Maybe even cats. I don't want to go on record with that. But all creation, the Bible says, has been groaning. And we go back to our Edenic ideal, in fact, even better than before. And it's really encouraging because I think what we realize is God never gave up. God didn't give up on his original creation. It wasn't just going to hell in a handbasket and said, oh, well. His dream has always been to live on earth with his children in a sin-free, a curse-free creation, a literal heaven on earth. And that challenges our foggy thinking, that heaven is this somewhere up there, I don't know, where we, we live with God in this airy-fairy state floating around. Scripture says, uh-uh, it's very earthy. God is going to bring heaven down to us, and these two realms will no longer be separated. They'll be one. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, when I think about it, we actually never even went through this stuff in seminary. I, I know some of you guys have, have gone to seminary or thinking about it, because what would happen is you'd go through the semester... And you go through the Old Testament, the New Testament, but by the time the semester's about to end, that, that last week is when you cover Revelation. And you never actually even talk about this stuff. So I think for most Christians, for most believers, they probably think that the present heaven and the future heaven are, are like the same thing. They're not. That, that's why we have a failure to, of a, to imagine in the church vividly. Mm-hmm. We lack this, this full theology of a new earth. The last book of the Bible is called what? It's revelation. called revelation, which means to reveal. I'm about to pull back. The, I want to give you a preview of what's coming. That's mm-hmm. the idea here, guys. Mm-hmm. And John writes, then I saw it. Right. Here's where it's, all of history is going. A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So these two are going to pass away. And, you know, this is where a lot of, like, you know, evangelicals or, or end timers will go, well, we know that. This is going to hell in a handbasket. It's going to pass <laughs> away. Like you pass away. Your body's going to cease at some point, this corrupt, cursed body. But you're going to live forever. And the same thing with God's creation, the earth. And, and, and John says, I saw it then. Here's the new earth. The holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of where? Out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So, so there's no longer a flaw in, in, in the earth. I, saw, I heard a loud voice, then he says, from the throne saying this. Now the dwelling of God is, let's say it out loud, is what? with men and he will live say it out loud with them they will be his people and god himself will be say it with them and be their god did you notice the emphasis do you see the revelation what god's revealing he's revealing that the present heaven and earth are separate but god's going to be with them he's bringing it down to us we're going to come together so that's an incredible thing that god will be with us like he always intended heaven's going to invade earth they're back together again. It's like Reese's, you know? Yeah. And God intends this, and everything is going to be renewed, recreated, restored, purified. The earth, our bodies, animals, the environment, the nations, everything's going to be cleansed by Christ. Mm-hmm. Put it shorthand, it'd be like saying, Christ is the cure for the curse. Mm-hmm. No more sorrow. No, the stuff we see on the news, 
No more death, no more sickness. People living in peace, families mended. It's a stunning picture of this world we've never known. It's paradise regained, literally. Intimacy, adventure, new worlds to explore. I told you about my honeymoon in Bermuda. Yeah, yeah. Snorkeling with my bride, okay? And un underwater worlds. I mean, have you ever had those moments where you thought, man, it doesn't get any better than this? A heaven on earth experience, definitely. Yeah, yeah it was like uh, a couple years ago, I took my three girls. We went to uh, Walt Disney World down in Orlando, Florida. And I tell you what, uh, I was not having heaven on earth, waiting on those lines <laughs> and stuff like that. But once my girls saw the real Mickey Mouse coming around, I mean, they, that was it, man. That was heaven for them. They, ah, we get to see Mickey. That, That's kind of the American, American version of heaven, right? <laughs> right like, right. oh, all fun and games. But there's right. something to that. Yeah. The idea, you know, when you see it through a child's eyes, the first time they're seeing the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Like the magic of it and everything. Mm -hmm. That's like a foretaste. That's like a little glimpse because we think it can't get any better than this, right. but it will. Moments like that are previews of the world to come. Everything that's, that's beautiful, everything that's joy-filled, that, the fact that you were with family, the ones you love the most and you're experiencing it together, that's a preview of what's to come on the new earth. Right, right. So, so just to clarify here, I've got one of these questions and it says, is heaven a spiritual realm or is it physical? That's, that's a that's a great question because it raises that up. And in fact, there's a book I referenced this last week. I want to recommend this to you guys. It is called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. The, highly recommend this to you. Brilliant biblical treatment of the new earth. And he notes how scripture says that, you know what, it's called new earth because it's not some otherworldly realm in which, you know, kind of spirits float around. It's going to be a very real earth. When you look in scripture, it has uh, trees, it has water, it has people. Without these earth elements, it wouldn't be earth. So yes, here's the key. Heaven is spiritual, it's God's dwelling, but it's also physical because we dwell there too. See, the, the scripture, scriptures do not look at like physical and spiritual as competing, like either or, that's a Western thing. Right. But complementary, it's not competing, it's complementary, it's both and. We're physical beings with spiritual souls. That was God's original design and he hasn't given up. And one day, together, we're going to be in heaven where God rules on earth where his people live. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. But the, another question right here. So will we have bodies? Uh, will, are we going to be able to do earthly stuff like eat and drink? It depends. What do you want to eat and drink? Oh, lots of things. I, can, I see that. Here's the, listen, here's <laughs> just teasing. Just teasing. You look good. You look sharp today. Oh, I just want to acknowledge the this. The slimming effect, the shirt. <laughs> yeah. right, right. Probably the best example is Jesus himself. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Jesus, he's our prototype, right? After Jesus died, his body was put in the tomb and buried. Three days later, as Christians, our whole faith rests on him being resurrected from the dead by the power of God. That's the whole essence of the faith. Christ comes back to life. He appears to the disciples, but he does this behind locked doors, which totally freaked them out. This is kind of interesting. Luke 24 says, they were uh, startled and, and frightened, thinking they saw what? A ghost. That's how a lot of Christians think. That like, okay, we're going to be ghosts or spirits floating around heaven. But that's not the resurrection model of Jesus. Jesus actually says, he says, no, no, no. Look at my, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have what? Flesh and bones as you see I have. In other words, Jesus was resurrected with a physical body. It actually bore the physical wounds he received when he was nailed to the cross. But his body was glorified. In other words, apparently he could walk through doors, right. okay, and walls. And, and, and so our bodies may have enhanced abilities. That seems strange to us, yeah. like it did to the disciples, but that's a present earth perspective. They're like, that must be a ghost. Right. And what's crazy is Jesus, I love him because he, he does something kind of funny to demonstrate how earthy his glorified body is. The scripture says he asked them, do you have something uh, here to eat? 
and they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. In other words, he's like, how's this for physical? I'm going to eat a fish taco. You want to see this? Is this real enough for you? Okay. That's a picture, guys, of the new earth. It is physically glorified, but it's spiritually transformed. We will eat. We will drink. That's the good news, Tom. Yes. Without the calories, okay? Right, right. We'll have glorified bodies they, that will bear some resemblance to this earth. Notice they recognize Jesus like that. Mm-hmm. We will recognize friends. We will recognize family for sure. But our bodies are going to be enhanced beyond anything that we have here. Mm-hmm. Philippians 3 says that the Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that they will what? Be like his glorious body. Christ is literally the prototype of the new humanity. We'll have glorified lives and glorified bodies. We get to get rid of these beaters, and we live with a glorified Christ in a glorified earth. And that earth's going to be earthy, okay, guys? It's not otherworldly. It's thisworldly. You know, I I think that's honestly something that not many of us believers actually think about. We we don't even think of it in those terms. It's actually kind of hard for us to think of heaven being earthy. That, That is precisely how the Bible puts it. In fact, if you describe, if, if you kind of survey scripture, you will see the writers use like four very earthly terms. I think I listed them in your notes. You can look there in your bullets. And the mm-hmm. future heaven is described as a city. It's described as a country. In Hebrews, we're actually given a list of the heroes of faith, right? People like Abraham who lived on the present earth. And they said, no, I'm a, I'm a stranger here. This broken world is not my home. I'm made for something different. And Hebrews says he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. It says instead they were, they were longing for a better what? A better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he's prepared a what? A city for them. Now, we all know what a city looks like. We, we live in the shadow of New York, we have Manhattan. We know it has buildings, it has streets, it has people, it has commerce, it has you know, city gates, rivers, dwellings. People come and go. It has people living and working in art, music. Cities are earthly. Mm-hmm. Countries are earthly. There's not going to be this mass blending and now everyone just looks like a tapioca vanilla Christian. We're told every tribe, every nation, every tongue is going to be brought into the city, will inhabit heaven. So it's, it's going to be very, very kind of multi-ethnic. Hopefully we like urban dwelling. And, and that's a gut check for us because one of the questions I have is like, does, does our church reflect that? Mm-hmm. Do we reflect the kind of diversity that God loves? Mm-hmm. Because that's what the church is supposed to be preparing for. Life in the new Jerusalem, the, the, the center city of the new earth. It's a city. It's a country. And when Christ arrives, scripture says there's going to be a a coronation Mm -hmm. where Jesus is actually crowned king over all of creation in front of all the people. And there will be a celebration, the marriage, the wedding feast of the lamb between Christ and his bride. That's you. Okay. That's us. And the whole city will erupt because this is God's dream come true. And we get to take part in it. Now, I know this is hard to envision, and I, you know I love movies. Yeah, we sneak definitely. out to them every once in a while, Tom and I. We <laughs> pretend we're studying the Bible, but we go to movies. <laughs> and uh, the, the, Bible, the movie I saw was a Green, uh, Green Lantern. No, not, not really. <laughs> I saw a picture of this in one of my favorite movies of all time, Return of the King. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, right? Lord of the Rings, yeah. exactly. J.R.R. Tolkien, who actually was Catholic, by the way, had a brilliant kind of, kind of theological, heavenly imagination. And in Return of the King, in my mind, this captures what heaven will be like. I want you to see if you can watch this clip. I want to show you this. And look for four images. See if you can see the city, the country, look at the coronation imagery, and finally a celebration. To me, this is a preview of Revelation 21.
Now come the days of the king. does not belong to one man, but to all. Let us together rebuild this world that we may share in the days of peace.
did you see the biblical images? Did you see them all four? It's, I mean, the, a celestial city, right, with the mammoth walls full of people from every tribe and tongue and nation, mm. even Elvish. Uh, <laughs> Aragorn, the Christ figure. I mean, it literally looks like, you know, contemporary pictures of Christ. He receives a crown from his master mm. Gandalf in the, cor- in the coronation. The time of the, of the king has begun. And this celebration erupts as the king takes his bride. If you go ahead and read Revelation 21, you're going to be like, what? What a ripoff. It's this picture of where history is actually headed under Christ and his church. It's peace. It's, mm-hmm. it's beauty. It's romance. It's a new community. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a revelation. But uh, someone asks here, um, they ask, what will we do in heaven to pass away the time? <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to relax. That you're missing the point. Do you see what this scripture is saying? Folks, the afterlife with Christ is dynamic. It's not static. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, um, this is a picture, guys, of the new earth. We're going to have a role to play. Kind of like, this is where the adventure begins. It's like Frodo, right? He has, he has a role in the Lord of the Rings. We miss this because we don't connect the dots of the story that God's telling, the full redemptive story. If you go back to the beginning, Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve for one reason, to be king and queen of of this perfect world. It was their job to rule the earth to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. They failed, which is why God sends Jesus to be the second Adam. And the church is his bride, the second Eve. In other words, Christ is the king. We're his queen. And Revelations 22.5 actually says, together we will what? What's the word, church? Reign Reign forever and ever. See, See, heaven isn't just like the absence of negatives. We think of it like, oh, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. That's true. But on the new earth, it's the presence of all of earth's glories magnified a thousandfold. Dynamic, creative, an eternity of learning, discovery, universes to rule and reign over with Christ. Hmm. Well, you know, actually someone asked that. They asked, what's it mean to actually rule and reign with Christ? Yeah, okay. That's actually a great question because I think we throw that word around a lot. We're going to rule and reign, we sing that and stuff. And I understand the idea can seem far-fetched. Because like, like, how flattering of yourself, you know? Again, you have to look at God's original mandate to humanity in Genesis, right? What does he tell Adam and Eve? He says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. In other words, it's dominion language. It's rulership. God's original plan was for his kids to rule over creation. That was our destiny. But we, we failed at that. But when, in Revelation, when Jesus returns to reverse the curse, he's restoring humanity and now... Men and women who've trusted in Christ, we've been covered by his blood, we're filled with the spirit. We will assume our leadership positions that he always intended in the old earth, in the new earth. And we'll reign over cities, over lands, over, over nations. That's our original and our future calling. In Revelation 2.10, this is a fascinating verse. We're told, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the what? The crown of life. Here's the deal. In the Bible, the crown is simply a symbol of authority, okay? It's, it's the symbol of ruling. You're ruling over, I'm the, I'm the king of this castle. So this is a reference to our ruling with Christ. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your what? Your crown. All throughout his parables, Jesus speaks all the time. He says, you're going to rule over cities. Paul says, don't you know, we're going to judge the angels. And the idea here is just very simple. It's that God's original plan in Genesis gets realized in Revelation. God is grooming us for leadership, to to rule with him over the new earth in benevolence. And here's the idea. (laughs) He wants to entrust us with this authority, but here's here's the issue. We hear that word authority and we get freaked out. Mm. 
Because if you think of authority in this world, it's very twisted and corrupt. Leadership, government, you know, representative wiener, all that kind of stuff. It's twisted. It's not in Christ's kingdom. This is a new humanity, the redeemed humanity. God's going to dwell in us and around us, and he's going to delegate his authority through us. So it's his spirit's power, but our job is going to be equip and guide and encourage those who are under our benevolent authority. And this is breathtaking, folks. This idea that all of this life is a warm-up act. Mm. All of this is a rehearsal of sorts for the life to come because the new earth will be the centerpiece of a new universe that is expanding at the speed of light. Okay, so let me... Are you, are you saying that, are you suggesting that we not only believers, not only reign and rule over the new earth, but like over the whole universe as well? Yeah, and, you, and I wouldn't even say single universe. Okay. Let, let me show you a picture that will whet your appetite, okay? Mm-hmm. This is the photo that stunned the scientific world. Mm-hmm. It is a collection of galaxies photographed by the Hubble Space Telescope. There are more than 3,000 galaxies that can be detected in this picture. Each of them average 100 billion stars apiece, okay? On our Earth today, this is our deepest view of God's universe, and it's this big. It's a keyhole. This is a speck of the sky, one-thirtieth the diameter of the moon. What's this mean? There are billions and billions of these galaxies that God has created, still creating, expanding, brimming with life and beauty, waiting to be discovered, explored, governed, ruled, brought in under Christ's governance in a real way. It's like we're, you're a cosmic apprentice to Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, that's crazy. I know that'll bake your potato, but that was God's plan from the beginning of time. And it's part of your destiny to rule and to reign with Christ, our King over his creation. So we ask, well, will heaven be boring? <laughs> you know, that's why Paul's like, no eye has seen, no minds conceived what God's preparing for those who love them, we can barely grasp what awaits us in eternity. Mm-hmm. Everywhere we turn, I want you to imagine this, new worlds, new creatures, new relationships to be discovered with family, with friends we love, a savior who loves us most of all. If you're a follower of Jesus, guys, this is your inheritance. Scripture says we're co-heirs with Christ. And I know this may seem far-fetched, but it's what Scripture promises. Jesus says, to him who overcrowns, I will give the right to what? Say it out loud, church. Sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Mm. This is, that's crazy to think. Yeah. I like get a little like nervous even talking about it, but we're leaders in training, mm. masters of the universe under Christ's authority. Yeah, I mean, that, that is like seriously really difficult to kind of wrap our brains around, yeah. right? That concept. I mean, like how does... How does God even decide? Like, how, how, do you, how does he determine, like, responsibilities? I, I had this one person to ask, what about rewards in heaven? What's mm-hmm. that about? Yeah. The Bible does talk about rewards in heaven. A couple things to note. First off, it does not work like it does on our current planet, right? On this planet, right. if you want to get ahead at work, what do you do? You, you kind of jockey for position. Mm-hmm. You, you step over people. You shove others out of the way. <laughs> it's the exact opposite on the new earth. In fact, Jesus says, here's how my government works. The last will be first. first. Who gets to inherit the earth? the meek. Mm. There's no need for us to get worried or freaked out that like, God's going to put people in charge who are prideful or abusive or Mm. dominant. Christ is going to rule over everything, but he delegates authority over the new earth to those who live out his values on this present world. Remember, Jesus is a king who comes to what? Serve. He sacrifices. He washes feet. And the greatest words a Christ follower can hope to hear come from Matthew 25. Jesus said, well done, good and faithful what? Servant. Servant. 
you've been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. So you can see what's going on here? There's this continuity between this present earth and the future heaven. The question is, what does your life reflect right now? The lives we live here, is your heart, is it growing? Is it expanding in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? That just continues on into eternity, just like we saw hell, a life that's set on fire going... Or think of it this way. The the world, this world, it's basic training Mm -hmm. for the next one. God invests us here with certain talents and gifts and abilities so so we can actually lay up treasure in heaven for the life to come. And any investment made here, Jesus says, it's going to pay off in spades. I'll I'll give you an example. I think like in this church, I think of families who adopt kids that nobody's want. We we, We have a number of families in this church who have adopted children, taken them into their biological family. It's a beautiful thing. It is a sacrifice, and candidly, it reflects what God's going to do one day with all of us. Mm-hmm. Adopt us into his eternal family. And God's like saying, that's exactly the kind of people I want ruling my new creation. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to trust you with more. Mm-hmm. Or how about people who, um, who give up family, who give up comforts in this life for the gospel? Right. I, have, I have a friend who is a, she's a missionary nurse in South Africa, and she's single. Um, she, she's actually given up a tremendous... Life in the States, a, very, a lot of comforts. She's probably never going to get married. Mm. But she is a nurse who works anonymously to care for the sick and poor there. And she has given up so much in, in this world in terms of comfort, family, and wealth. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says, I tell you the truth. At the renewal, here it is again, of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and inherit eternal life. In other words, there's a 100% return, 100x on our investment in this life. That's incredible, okay? We all have the opportunity right now, Jesus says, to invest your life in such a way that it's going to get rewarded later. It's about stewardship in whatever you do. It doesn't have to be like missionary. I also don't want you to be like, oh, okay, so I've got to be a missionary. I have a friend who's a successful businessman. He works mm-hmm. on Wall Street, and he's pretty well off, but here's the deal. It's not his smarts, and it's not his business savvy that qualify him to rule in heaven. Rather, he uses part of his wealth to fund housing solutions in the third world, mm-hmm. okay, for families and orphans. Right, right. That's a heavenly portfolio. Jesus is like, store up treasure where moth and rust can't get in and eat it up, and thieves can't steal for it. The whole idea, guys, is that everything in this life counts for the next. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think you hit on something really important there because I'm seeing in a lot of these questions, I, yeah. I see this, this type of question asked all the time. Do our good deeds here on the present earth, yep. do our good deeds on present earth count for heaven? Absolutely. But they don't get you into heaven. Mm-hmm. All right? We're, we're going to make that distinction. Don't mishear me on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Faith in Christ alone is what gets you into heaven. Right. right. A, a lot of people confuse that, I think. The Bible says that there are two different judgments that we'll face in the afterlife. When we die, we're going to face the judgment of faith. Mm-hmm. Who are you trusting in to save you? Are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in Jesus? The answer to that determines whether people go to the present heaven or, or to hell. Okay? So the first judgment is about our faith. What do you believe? Not our works and what we do. If we've accepted Christ's death for us, that he, he died in our place, when God judges us after death, he sees Christ's life, his sacrifice, not our sin. It's not about what we've done, but what Christ did on the cross. That's the judgment. That's how we get into heaven. Mm -hmm. Faith alone through Christ alone. Can we say that? Faith alone in Christ alone. Salvation is God's gift. We had nothing to it. But after this judgment of faith, 
comes a second judgment of works. The Bible is very clear that every living person will stand before Christ to give an account of their lives. And that's a judgment of works. It's not just what we believe, what you said, but what we've done. So our deeds don't change our salvation, but it affects our reward. That's what I think we're getting at. So even the smallest acts of kindness, Jesus says, a a cup of cold water to a kid is going to get recognized by Christ. Our reward in heaven is definitely tied to our faithfulness on earth. So, So think about that, guys. Jesus isn't just preparing a place for us. He's preparing us for that place. God's grooming you for leadership. And he's watching to see how we live this life. Good works are just a demonstration of a growing faith. If we grasp that everything Christ has done for us, it'll flow out of us, not out of, out of guilt, but out of gratitude. That's the whole idea behind there, okay? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, so, so what I'm hearing then is I get bigger mansions, a driveway of gold, you know, I can eat all I want, all that good stuff, right? Is that, that, yes, that's very American of you, Tom. Thank you. That's, <laughs> right. it, it's not like uh, membership rewards, okay, by American Express. That's not what heaven is. Right. In fact, the beautiful part of heaven is that God exalts those who are humble, mm-hmm. people who aren't in it for themselves. It's not like, oh, I'm getting more. That's why God actually trusts them. In fact, it's interesting. What would I do with my little crown here? Do I have my crown? Oh, here right it is. There. You know what God actually says? People who, who, who get crowns in heaven, the, the human rulers in heaven, you know what they do with their crowns, according to Scripture? Revelation 4.10, beautiful picture. It says, the 24 elders fall down before him, and what do they do? They lay their crowns before the throne. In other words, God says, I'm rewarding you with this, and they said, no, Jesus, it's all for you. This, this is actually where you get the phrase, casting crowns. The the saints will be casting crowns at Jesus' feet. It's a picture of worship. Mm -hmm. We're not hoarding treasure for ourselves. It's it's, it's all about Jesus compared to what he's done for us. Everything we have is is laid down before him. We submit it to him. Our motives will have been purified out of us. Mm -hmm. Remember, ruling in heaven is about humility. It's Mm -hmm. not about hubris. It's about serving. It's not, not about like, you know, selfishness. So it's, it's all good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're, we're kind of running out of time here. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to do a little bit of rapid fire here. Just sure. quick questions. Yep. Okay. Uh, one, one of the thing is, is, where is that? Where'd that go? Um, okay. What's the biggest surprise in heaven? That you will be there. Oh, gosh. I think that's going to be a shock to me. I'm just. <laughs> what, what's happening here? What's happening? I think we're all shocked. Uh, <laughs> I think. I th- actually, I think, that's, I think that's easier. The biggest surprise in heaven is going to be seeing God face to face. Seeing him face to face. It's not our, just our biggest surprise, it's our greatest joy. Because nobody has ever done it before and lived. I want you to think about this. Mm. In, your, in the Old Testament, your Bible, okay, God said to Moses, you can't see my face because no one can see me and actually live. A guy died just for touching the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. So through the history of humanity, to see God's face was unthinkable. But in Revelation 22, we're told they will see his what? His face. And this is stunning because it means something radical is going to happen to all of us between now and then. Mm -hmm. Without holiness, no one can actually see the Lord. It's only because we'll have Christ's righteousness us. We'll be completely free of sin that we can actually see God and live. Mm -hmm. And to see Christ will be our greatest joy, the joy by which everything else is measured. Finally at home Mm -hmm. with Father, with Son. Okay, good. So, so real quick here, what will God look like? Probably not like the poster above your desk. Oh, Has anybody ever seen this? This, this is, is I just, I'm going to throw you under the bus here. What is happening? Tom has right this now? very irreverent poster <laughs> above his desk of it's Jesus. It's actually next to the Bob Marley poster. It is. It actually looks a little like Bob Marley. I don't know if you can see that, the kind of laughing Jesus. Actually, it's not bad because it communicates joy. And that's what heaven will be about. The primary you know, emotion in heaven is joy. We will rejoice 
when we see Christ. He'll be thrilled to see us and to get started. We've got a lot to do. Right. A new universe to roll, rule over. Uh-huh. First John, it says, um, we know that when he appears, we shall what? Be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I mean, what could be greater? The idea, guys, is that just, just seeing Jesus, we, we, we walk by faith, not by sight right now, but seeing Jesus is going to have this transformational effect on us. It's going to actually change our heart to be holy like his. We can finally ask him all those questions we have on earth. We'll actually have the mind to understand them from his perspective. All the answers we've sought, all the acceptance we've longed for face-to-face with God. Am I going to get that back? No, this is, I'm confiscating this. I'm going to keep that. All right, right, uh, last question here. This is a really important one, actually. Can I be 100% sure I'm going to heaven? 100% sure, not 99%. 100%. We get that a lot. Um, Candidly, we have a lot of folks who who struggle with that because they're taught, like, well, if you sin and then all of a sudden you're hit by a bus, you know, maybe you'll go to hell. You don't know what's going to happen. This is a good one to end on. Um, And I'll go back to Jesus' words. We start in John 14. We talked about that where Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. Notice all the emphasis is on what Jesus is going to do. The bottom line, guys, is that you were made for a person and a place. Jesus is the person. Heaven is the place. They're a package. You can't get to heaven without Jesus. You can't have Jesus without heaven. Most people think they're going to heaven by default. Mm. They say for, for every person who thinks they're going to hell, 120 statistically in America think they're going to heaven, okay? That's very convenient. <laughs> right, right. But Jesus is also the guy who says, you know what, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and a lot of people go through it, mm. but narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few enter it. So the question really is, do you know the right path? Are, are, you, are you certain you know how to get home to heaven? In John 14, what's cool is the disciples actually ask him, Thomas said to him, Lord, how can we know the way, where you're going? And Jesus answered, let's see, read, read this out loud, church, big, loud voice. Can we all do this? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus couldn't be any more clear. The only 100% guaranteed way to come home to heaven is through faith in Christ alone. Only Christianity, no other religion suggests that God left heaven for earth in order to suffer and die for his enemies. Get this? Jesus decided to go to hell for us rather than live in heaven without us. Mm -hmm. So this is all about God's heart, guys. From the beginning of time, he he says, I want to save anyone who wants to come home. Christ died to reverse the curse so your life can be blessed. And, Mm -hmm. And the promise is if you surrender your life to him, your life on this earth actually can change now. It will change in an eternal way that continues into eternity. Jesus is the way from here to here. That's the promise. That's the hope. No matter what you're going through, okay, whatever pain, whatever disappointment, whatever suffering, perspective, it's all temporary. And God says, I want to renew you from the inside out starting today. Hmm. I don't know if you have that hope, if you have that certainty, but I want you to think about this. Think, last, last thought. If you have given your life to Christ, this present world is the closest you will ever get to hell. This is it. Life just gets better and better. Hmm. For unbelievers, this broken world is the closest you'll ever get to heaven. Hmm. In other words, this world as it is now is as good as it gets. That's sobering, yeah? yeah? So the question is always, where's your hope? Where's your security? It's about you doing good enough stuff to get into hopefully get into heaven. Jesus says salvation's found in no one else. 
It's through me alone. And he can give you that assurance today. Hmm. Uh, bro, that is some awesome. Can we just thank Pastor Tim here? That's just some hey, fun awesome, awesome stuff. I mean, heaven, hell, the afterlife. I mean, this is, this is some truly mind-blowing truth that actually, it, it actually moves your heart closer to Christ. It, yes. It's just an amazing thing. And that's what real truth does. It yep. moves the heart. Um, Pastor Tim, I'm going to ask you, can you close us yep, in prayer? Close absolutely. the series? Let's pray, guys. All our campuses, let's just pray together. God, thank you. Um, gosh, no, no eye has seen, mm. no ears heard, no mind conceived what you're preparing right now, Jesus, for every man and woman in this room who loves you. God, the people who are watching online who maybe even feel alone, Lord, and they've wrestled with doubt and uncertainty right now, Father, I ask by your spirit, mm-hmm. just testify your truth to them, Father that they are saved as they call on your name. Father, I ask that we just create space even now for people to call in the name of Jesus, say, Christ, I want you to be my Savior. I want to live with you forever. Cleanse me, change me, give me hope and a future. Father God, we thank you for the promise. This is all a warm-up act. We get 75, 80 years, Father. Let us redeem it. Let us invest it, God, in eternal ways that pay off 100x beyond anything we can imagine. And all the glory that comes because of it, we're going to throw at your feet. Because it's all about Jesus. Mm. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said together. Amen. 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 Good to be with you guys. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.